Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. How y'all doing? All right, we got, we're, we're okay. Well, we're so glad that you joined us today. If you're joining us online, we're glad that y'all joined us uh, today as well. Um, like Pastor Lee said earlier, my name is Chris Brown, and I'm the associate pastor here. And for some odd reason, he's allowed me to preach once a month with y'all, and he said it publicly, so he's locked into it. So uh, I'm glad to get to speak to you anytime, uh, especially today. We're going to talk about a, a pretty heavy subject uh, today, and that's the subject of anxiety. And everything that entails on that. And, and before we get into it, uh, by the way, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles. Um, uh, before we get into this, I want to just throw out a disclaimer that anxiety and mental health issues are a very broad, broad subject that's very nuanced, and there is no chance that I could cover the entire thing in one day. Um, I've, I got rid of about half my notes just to make sure that... that we fit everything into the allocated time. So that being said, I'm not going to cover everything today. Um, there's just no chance that I can do that. Um, so if I say something and it kind of sparks you a little wrong and, and you would like a little bit more clarification on it, come talk to me. Um, I'll be outside in the back uh, after the service. And uh, I love talking about this subject. Um, when, we worked, uh, when I worked as the uh, student pastor here, um, we dealt with this subject, anxiety and depression, a lot. Um, I have personal experience with it in my life. And so I, I really like talking about the subject. So if you want to talk more about it and get a little bit more nuanced about situations, I'll be in the lobby. You can find me afterwards. All right, with that being said, let's get into our passage today. If you would go ahead and stand up with me. Um, we are in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34. And this is what it says. Uh, Jesus is saying, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first, sorry, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Lord, I uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, God, that uh, you have given us the opportunity to all gather together as your church. And I pray as we dig into um, your word and into this uh, subject that you would um, humble us and that you would uh, soften our hearts that we may uh, not think that we know everything and that we have everything figured out, but rather we would submit ourselves to uh, the authority of your word and, and the authority that you, that you give it. I pray that you speak truth to us and that, that we hear what you have for us and apply it to our lives. God's in your son's name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. All right, as we get into today, I want to do a little uh, experiment with y'all. Um, so, pretend with me for a second that this is your brain. Um, and th this is a balloon, by the way. So, uh, if you have a latex allergy, you might want to go away. Um, <laughs> someone in the first service that had a latex allergy. Um, but pretend that this is your brain. And as your brain goes through its normal life, there's situations that come up that stress out your brain. And as your brain gets stressed, it gets a little bit more, um, let's call it pressed a little bit. And uh, different situations come up, and then you um, resolve those situations in your life. And as those situations get resolved, your brain decompresses a little bit. 
And so it's constantly this back and forth of uh, dissonance and resolution, chaos in your life and order. It's just constantly going back and forth between these two things. Now, as we get into the subject of anxiety, your brain works a little bit differently on that. Your brain doesn't um, quite process it the same because with anxiety, it tends to be things that are a little bit more in the unknown, things that don't particularly have a uh, quick solution to them, uh, if any solution at all. So your brain just keeps um, getting more and more stressed and there's no resolution to that. So it just keeps getting bigger. And, and these are like little things. Like, like these aren't even um, things to necessarily consider worrying about. It's like you go outside and you wave at your neighbor and you're pretty sure that your neighbor saw you and they didn't wave back. What did I do? Are they mad at me? Did my dog poop on their lawn? I don't know. Or you go to your work and as you're working, you're stressed out because there's a project due and uh, you're, you're worried that COVID is going to uh, get rid of your job and the boss walks by and the boss says hi to your coworker, but he doesn't say hi to you. Does that make him mad? Is he going to fire me? What's he going to do? Then on your way home, you're driving your car and your car lunges a little bit. Has your car ever done that? And then you think to yourself, man, I need to take that to the mechanic. I can't afford a mechanic. If I take it to the mechanic, they're going to say the engine needs to be rebuilt. I can't afford a new car. I haven't even finished paying off this car. And so then you get home. And then when you get home, your kid starts watching SpongeBob and your kid's making a lot of weird noises. And so then you think to yourself, are they going to have friends when they get older? Are they going to have a girlfriend when they get older? Are they going to get married? I'm never going to have kids or grandkids. And then your other kid is outside um, using a magnifying glass to burn ants on the ground. And you're thinking, that guy might be a serial killer when he gets older. What's going on with my life? And then the other day you had a twitch in your arm and so you decided to Google it. And now you've, you've convinced yourself that you're dying, right? Or you coughed and you convince yourself you have pneumonia. And you think to yourself, man, I can't die. I'll leave my wife without anyone to take care of her. I don't even have life insurance. She won't be able to take care of the family. She's going to have to marry my best friend just to survive. And all these things start building up and and it has nowhere to go. Oh, I'm sorry, Mariah. All these things start building up and, and there's nowhere for it to go. And so because there's nowhere for it to go, we just have anxiety on top of anxiety on top of anxiety, and then it starts to develop itself into disorders and stress, and you just live with it, and you find yourself sick all the time because you don't know what's going on in your life anymore. It gets to the point where you can't even pinpoint the anxiety in your life. And this is, the, the stark reality is that this is a real issue in our society. Uh, studies show us that the U.S. is more anxious, depressed, and medicated today than it's ever been before. Studies show us that um, anxiety disorders affect around 20% of the U.S. adult population, which is one in five, which is about 40 million people in America. Globally, anxiety disorders affect about 300 million people. Now, if, that num if those numbers sound a little bit off, it's because they are. America has around 330 million people total in its population. The world has about 7 billion. That means that America is about 5% of the world's population. However, America houses 13% of the world's anxiety disorders. We are two to three times more anxious than the rest of the world. And you would think to yourself, 
this, this can't be right. I mean, we're, we're a pretty wealthy country. We're like, we're on the forefront of um, giving people enough money to survive. Because when we think about anxiety, we typically think about uh, around hardships and economic uh, concerns. Uh, and because America's wealthy, we shouldn't have to worry about that. But all of the data is showing the opposite. All the data in, in studying uh, developing countries and developed countries and poor countries and wealthy countries show that the more wealthy a country gets, the more anxious the country becomes. And America's just sitting right at the top. And so this is a big problem. And I want to dig into scripture today to see what God has for us. But, but real quick, before we, we dive into that, I want to just address where I think we're going a little bit wrong on this subject. And so over the past decade or so, um, we have, as a society, made mental health awareness a priority in our life. And I don't think that's bad. I think it's good to make people aware of mental health diseases, um, such as anxiety disorders, clinical depression, uh, things like that. However, I fear that in our attempts to destigmatize mental health issues, these things like anxiety and depression have gone from being stigmatized to being borderline glorified. When I worked with uh, students, I saw this all the time. It was weird when I was a student. Like, if you were depressed, like, you didn't tell anyone. You just reclused yourself into uh, a room, which I'm not necessarily saying is the right thing to do. But now it's weird. It's the complete opposite has happened. It's almost like you are celebrated if you are depressed or have anxiety as a kid today. And, and if I was to just throw out my two cents on why I think that is, I think it's because kids see that that's what gets attention. And they see, okay, that person who has depression, everyone is caring for them, loving them, and helping them. I want to be cared for. I want to be loved. And I want to be helped. And so I think in, in bringing more awareness to this, to some degree, it's having a little bit reverse effect and it's causing more and more people to have anxiety and depression. And, and then we're quick to label these things. And the more we label these things, the more, get, the more people get trapped into a, a fatalistic mindset. And so because you went to the doctor and the doctor said that you have anxiety, now you have the excuse to say, I'm just always going to have anxiety. It's just my life. And the problem with that statement is, is that it just goes completely against the Bible. That if you call yourself a Christian, then the Bible calls us out of these things. Like, like you can't say, I'm always going to have anxiety as a Christian, yet at the same time, believe the scripture when Jesus says in our passage today, don't be anxious about tomorrow, don't worry about tomorrow. And Paul in, in Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything give thanksgiving to God. Those two things don't harmonize. And so uh, I'm going to say, say a, a pretty bold statement here. And I think anxiety is a sin. Because usually when we see things in the Bible, when they say don't do something, usually we categorize that as sin. Now, when I say that I, I believe that anxiety is a sin, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that every time you worry about something, God is just sitting up there mad at you, ready to drop you into hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... Um, since anxiety is a sin, that means that God did not design for you to live that way. God doesn't want you to live that way. God didn't design for us to spend our lives worrying and being anxious about everything in our life. He designed for us to trust him and to live our lives um, uh, carefree of the things that we can't control. 
So as we dig into today's passage, I want to present to anyone in here who's dealing with anxiety hope. Hope that you can come out of that. And, and, and speaking as a person who has gone through some pretty dark moments in his life, who's struggled with anxiety, who's struggled with depression, who have gone to counselors and doctors and seen how easily they diagnose you with those things, I want to present to you hope that you don't have to live in those things, no matter what anyone tells you. Okay? So as we dig into today's passage, I want to present to you four questions to ask yourself with your anxiety. And hopefully through asking these four questions and and kind of whittling it down, we can address the anxiety in your life. And not only that, but then um, put up some barriers to help that anxiety from coming back. Okay, so let's get into this today. So, So the first question that I want you to ask yourself concerning your anxiety is, what am I anxious about? And, the, and you would think that I wouldn't have to start here, but anxiety likes to live in the unknown. That's where anxiety thrives is when you don't really even know what you're anxious about. So one of the best things you can do is just put a name to what exactly you're anxious about. There's times that I'm sitting at home and I'm watching TV and I just feel tense. Like, like you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're just sitting there and like all of a sudden, like, like you feel like your blood is like pumping through your veins and, um, and, and you're tense and you feel anxious and you're wondering to yourself, why do I feel anxious? I'm watching TV. And so then what I have to do in that moment, I have to take just a few minutes and just backtrack in my mind, like, like what, what's going on today? What's going on yesterday that would possibly cause me to feel tense and anxious right now? And usually after a few minutes of kind of probing my, my brain, um, I come out the other side with some resemblance of what's going on. And it's amazing. If you can just put a name to what exactly is causing you to feel anxious, um, it's amazing. That in itself will start to relieve the anxiety a little bit. Because again, anxiety likes to live in the unknown. Anxiety likes to live in the worst case scenarios. One of my favorite quotes of all time is Mark Twain, where he says, I've suffered many a tragedy in my life, some of which actually happened. Put a name to your anxiety, and then that will allow you to then start to address that properly. So for Jesus, um, uh, when he was addressing the people, he said, uh, what tends to bring anxiety to people there is uh, food and drink and clothes, but it might be something different for you. Like it might be um, like your house issues, or it might be family issues, or it might be financial issues, or it might be job issues, or conflict, or relationships. Um, Who knows? But just put it on there. And then not only that, but then get really specific about it. So like if, you, if you're anxious about your family, like what specifically about your family? Like is it like if your kids are going to grow up and like have a happy life? Is it that everyone in your family is healthy? Is there like conflict in there? Are you and your spouse not getting along like you used to? What specifically about it? Like is it, if it's finances, like what specifically about your finances? Is it um, uh, that you don't have enough money to pay the bills? Is it that you're spending all your money on eating out? Is it that you don't have a retirement plan? Get really specific about your anxiety. And then once you do that, not only does it start to help, but it allows you to address it um, with these next questions. Okay, so, so before we get going, think about your anxiety. Like, don't say it. I don't want to know your anxiety. <laughs> Just think it in your mind. What's giving you anxiety right now in this week, in this time? And then that leads us to the next question. So the next question is, can I do anything about it 
today. Jesus, in this passage, gives some of the most profound, simple, and practical advice on this subject that I think you'll ever find. Uh, he says this in Matthew 6, 34. He says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I don't think Jesus here was saying, like, like, throw off all of your responsibilities. I don't think he was saying, don't care for the things in your life. Don't be concerned about providing for your family, because um, there's tons of scripture, uh, other scripture that speak to the contrary of that. I think what Jesus is saying is not to, uh, I think he's saying, don't not be uh, concerned about issues. He's saying, don't be concerned about tomorrow's issues, because each day has enough trouble of its own in your end today. So you need to be concerned about today's issues, not tomorrow's issues. And that's one of the, the great um, ironies of worry and anxiety. It takes your mind off of what you have the ability to control, and it puts it on the things you have no ability to control. And so the more you actively worry about what you can't change, you're not doing what you can change. And so Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Some refer this to, to this as the 24-hour rule. And so in, in uh, addressing the question, can I do anything about this today? If the answer is yes, then go do it. And if the answer is no, then don't worry about it. Now, did y'all just realize we just solved anxiety? Which I know is, is kind of funny because we didn't. But in theory, like, this solves anxiety. Like, any anxiety in your life can be boiled down to this question. Can you do anything about it today? If the answer is yes, go do it. Boom, you resolve the anxiety. If the answer is no, then don't worry about it. Boom, you, resolve, you solved your anxiety. Now, I realize it's, that, that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, but it's incredibly simple, yet hard. Okay? But here's the problem, is that some of us aren't even worried about things that we can't do today. We're worried about things that we can't do at all. You're worried about things that are completely outside of your control. How many of you, you're like, we all laughed when I said you felt the twitch in your arm, Googled it, and you now think you're dying? We laughed because we've all done it. <laughs> right? We've all convinced ourselves that we're dying, and we've all convinced ourselves that our kids are going to die, or that our spouse is going to die on the road. And in all of our worrying about that, we can't change a single moment of it. And Jesus presents that sobering truth to us. In Matthew uh, 6, 27, Jesus says this. He says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And the answer is no. Parents, whenever you call your kid and they don't answer, and you throw yourself into a tailspin thinking that they're dead, no amount of worrying is going to change any of that situation. You can't add a moment to your life. You can't add a moment to their life. We worry about things that we don't even have control over. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about those things. One of our bigger problems is that we're not worried about things that are in tomorrow. We're not worried about things that we can't control. Some of us are worried about things that have already happened, that we have no control over. Some of us are worried about things that happened 10 years ago. It's like, like, why do we worry about these things? Like, like we can't change what's happened. Dwelling on it isn't going to change what's happened. Uh, having anxiety about it isn't going to change what happened. Worrying about it isn't going to change what happened. So why do we focus on these things? Jesus is saying, 
you don't need to focus on tomorrow. You need to focus on today. Tomorrow's problems have yet to come. Yesterday's problems have already happened. Today's problems are at hand. So if you have anxiety, just ask yourself, can I do anything about it today? And if the answer is yes, then go do it. If the answer is no, don't do it. And you'll find that there's a lot of things that we worry about that we shouldn't worry about because we can't do anything about. But then there's some things that we can do something about. Like how, how many of you, um, like if your house is in a mess, it kind of like makes you anxious? Like I'm kind of that way. Can we do something about that today? We sure can. We can go clean our house. And then our kids can come through and wreck it all. And then the anxiety starts all over again. <laughs> There's things that we can do today. Go do them. You might be anxious about a fight that you had with your spouse or a fight that you had with your friend or a family member. Can you do something about that today? You sure? You sure can. You can call them up and you can apologize and you can resolve it. There's things that we can do today. Go do it. There's things that we can't do today. Stop worrying about it. Now, now when I say stop worrying about it, I know that that comes across a little bit dismissive and a little bit simplistic. And, and trust me, I completely understand that there's some of you in here saying like, if I, if I could stop worrying about this, I would. I can't. And, the, and, the, and I understand that if this was easy, then no one would have worry because anyone with anxiety wouldn't wish that on anyone. And so if you couldn't worry, or if you could not worry, then you wouldn't worry. But, but let me just remind you with all this that, that if you call yourself a Christian, if you claim Christ, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit resides within you. And 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us this, that, um, that the spirit that resides inside of you is not one of fear, but it's one of power, love, and sound judgment. And that means that if you claim Christ and the Holy Spirit resides within you, then you are not a slave to your anxiety. You're not a slave to your depression. You're not a slave to what someone did to you 10 years ago or what someone is going to do to you tomorrow. If you call yourself a Christian, then you are a child of God and a conqueror through him who has loved you. And too often we play the victim game. And Christians were not victims. Christians, through Christ, we have victory over our sin and over the evil of this world. And too often, we just give ourselves over to it. I'm not trying to be dismissive about any of your anxiety. Trust me, I understand what it feels like to wake up and want to immediately go back to bed because sleep is the only time you get relief from it. I understand. But those things can be conquered through Christ and through the spirit within you. Don't give yourself over to it. So with that being as the foundation, so we, we've got, what am I anxious about? We've narrowed it down. We've asked, can I do a thing about today? If the answer is yes, then we go and do it. If the answer is no, then we stop worrying about it. The next question is going to address the, the don't worry about. It. And it is, what safeguards can I put up to prevent this anxiety? Because... Uh, we all have our proclivities to which we are anxious about. Um, some of us get more anxious about finances. Some of us get more anxious about um, social relationships. Some of us get more anxious about health. So whatever you get anxious about, um, um, 
uh, hone in on that and then ask yourself, what safeguards can I put up to help prevent the anxiety from coming back? And when I say safeguards, I want you to think like you go to the bowling alley and you have those little guardrails that pop up and you throw the ball and it bounces off the guardrails. Yeah, that's what I want you to think about these safeguards. I want you to think about what guardrails can you put up in your life to make sure that your brain doesn't drift off track and into the gutter of anxiety. We just want to keep our brain on the right path and there's some things we can do to help it do that. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is talking to the church there, and he says to them, um, we need to start to learn from our mistakes, from our sins in our past. We need to start to learn from those and then set up defenses against it. And he tells them this in verse 12. He says, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Like, be careful, because there are things in your life that you think you have a grip on, and you don't. There are things in your life that you think that, like, you know that it makes you miserable, but you convince yourself that you can use it responsibly and it not affect your life. And, and, and let me just give you the same uh, warning that Paul gave to the church. is like, if you think that you have a grip on these things, be careful, because that's when you're going to fall. So this past week, I was watching uh, my daughter, Lottie. Uh, she's about a year old now. Uh, she'll be a year old next Saturday. And um, I watch her two days a week. And um, like any good parent, they want their kid to play alone so we can have a moment of peace. So I was letting Lottie play alone. And sometimes uh, whenever she finds herself in a predicament, I like to just sit and watch what she does. Uh, just to see if um, she can work her way out of it. And so she was playing with this toy. It's a cow toy. And she has a weird like love-hate relationship with this toy. Um, so she's playing, and she picks up this toy, and whenever you move that toy, it makes that noise. Did y'all hear it? So it makes that noise. And the funniest thing happened when Lottie picked up this toy. Like She was super happy. She picked up this toy, and inevitably... And then she just started crying, like big tears crying. Um, like, like this, I don't know what this cow said to her, but it wasn't nice. Um, and so, so she started crying, and in her crying, she threw it away. And, and a good parent, I was just sitting back and just telling her, like, okay, what, what are you going to do with this? And so she kind of stops for a second, she cries for a minute, and then kind of regains her composure. And then she's happy again. And you know what she did? She picked it right back up and started playing with it. Starts crying again. And throws it away. Oh, it went way down there. Um, and then she cries for a minute, regains her composure. What do you do? She goes and picks it back up again. Starts playing with it. Starts crying again. She did this six or seven times before she finally learned, maybe I shouldn't play with this toy. Now, what you might be thinking to yourself is, what parent subjects their kid to six or seven times of making themselves miserable? It's a parent who's looking for a sermon illustration. That's who. So, this paints a really perfect picture because we do the exact same thing. There are things in our life that make us miserable. And we go right back to it. 
And the, the Proverbs actually describe this a little bit. Proverbs 26, 11 says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so also a fool repeats his foolishness. Right? God, that one hurts a little bit. How many times does something make you miserable, you regain your composure and go right back to it? Like you might be a person that stresses out about the future of this country, yet you still watch the news every day. And all the news does is paint this worst case scenario of what the world is going to look like when their opponent takes office. It makes us miserable, but we keep going back to it. So what's making you miserable and keep pulling you back to it? When I just got out of college, I was going through a, a pretty bad breakup. And uh, one of the things that I loved to watch at that time was the show, How I Met Your Mother. Um, and the whole point of that show is there's this single guy who's discontent with singleness and he's looking for his mom. Or not his mom. <laughs> he's telling his kids about their mom. He's looking for his wife. That got awkward real quick. Um, <laughs> the single guy's looking for his wife. And every single show is basically him discontent with his life until he finds his, his, or discontent with his life until he finds his wife. Now for a guy who is going through a breakup and is having anxiety about singleness, do you think that's a really good show to watch? It just kept feeding and feeding and feeding my discontentment and my anxiety. And, and then one day I just finally woke up and I'm like, hmm, this show might not be helping. <laughs> And so I stopped watching the show, and it's amazing. Whenever I put that safeguard up and stopped watching that show, it's amazing how much my anxiety about this, the subject diminished because I wasn't engulfing myself in the subject every day. For you, it, it may be something else. But maybe you have um, social anxiety, uh, and maybe you um, have a problem wondering if people like you but you go on Facebook every day and you see people hanging out and your friends hanging out and they didn't invite you to that thing. And so it just reinforces the anxiety in your life of all these people are hanging out and having a great time, but I'm not. Does anyone like me? It's just feeding it. Maybe the safeguard you need to put up is, is getting off Facebook, getting off social media. Maybe you need to um, uh, add some things to your life as a safeguard instead of remove things from your life. So, so if you're a person who... Uh, um, is prone to tunneling in your thoughts and believing lies in your thoughts, maybe what you need to add to your life is some close friends that you can open up to and that you can call at a moment's notice and tell them, hey, something's going on. Um, I'm believing this. I need you to remind me that this isn't true. Maybe some of y'all need that. The proverb uh, twelve twenty five says this, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Maybe you need some good words spoken into your life. Maybe you're like me and you worry about finances and about stewarding uh, the money that God has given you well in your life. And uh, I am prone to just stress about this all day. Like we'll go into a store and uh, Randy will want to buy something and I will just stress all day about it. One of the safeguards that, that we've put up in our life to help me not um, stress about that is to, at the beginning of each month, sit down and do a budget together where we decide this is what we're going to spend our money on this month. And so now, um, after we've decided that and planned that out, now I'm light as a feather. 
regarding that because there's a plan in place. There's not the unknown that the anxiety can cling on to. So I don't know where you are at or, or what safeguard you need to put up, but, but think about what gives you anxiety and then think about what can you add or take away in your life? What safeguards can you put up to help prevent that from coming into your life? So just to, to recap real quick, um, we've asked ourselves um, what we're anxious about and put a name to it specifically. Then we've asked ourselves, can I do anything about that today? And if the answer is yes, then go do it and resolve the anxiety. If the answer is no, then just don't worry about it. But not only just don't worry about it, like ask yourself, what safeguards can I put up to prevent that anxiety from coming back? And then the last question that I want to leave you with, and, and I'll close on this, is am I concerning myself with the right things? And this is a question, whether you're a person with little anxiety or a lot of anxiety, ask yourself this question, Anna, am I concerning myself with the right questions? Because a lot of times anxiety comes at us because we are too preoccupied with the wrong things. And Jesus says that this is one of the main ways you can combat anxiety in your life. Matthew 6, he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. See, the great lie and the great irony of worry and anxiety is, it tells you if you just worry about this long enough, you will be happier. If you just have, be anxious about this long enough, you'll be able to control the situation. The reality is, it doesn't make you happier. It strips you of your life. Instead of being happy with your life, you're just worried sick about it. And Jesus says that um, if you want to give your life meaning, if you want to live a life free of worry, uh, free of concern, seek first the kingdom of God. Preoccupy your mind with something bigger than you, but then all of a sudden you won't be worried about all the little petty things in your life. If you trust God with your eternal life, it's a lot easier to trust God with your earthly life. If you trust God that he's going to um, provide all things for you, then it's a lot easier to not worry about tomorrow and what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. When we try to worry our life away, we end up sacrificing our life to that worry. And Jesus says, you want to find the solution? Sacrifice your life to the kingdom of God and you'll find it. So are you concerning yourself with the right things? Let me pray that we do. Lord, I, um, I thank you for bringing us here together today, God, and, and I thank you for your word and, and the, the truth that's in it. And God, I pray that as we've heard these things today, God, that we would take them to heart. God, that we wouldn't be slaves to our anxiety and slaves to our fears, but rather we would trust you. Knowing that you are good, that you're faithful, and that you care for us. And if you care for the birds of the air and the grass of the field, then how much more are you going to care for us? God, I pray for this, this topic of anxiety and this weight of anxiety on people's lives uh, in this room or online. God, that you would ease that burden from their life. God, that you would uh, tell them today 
that they don't have to live that way. They don't have to subject themselves to their thoughts. But through you and your spirit, we can find victory. I pray for the people in this room that they would have humbleness in their life concerning this topic and that they would submit themselves to you. I don't know where y'all are, are today and, and what you're dealing with. You may be a person that has little worry in his life and, and you may be a person so burdened by anxiety that it's hard for you to even get out of bed in the morning. Whichever one you are, or in between, we wanna give you some time to do what you need to do. You can come up here to the altar and you can pray. You can stay in your seat, you can pray, you can come up and ask for prayer. You may be a person that is so burdened by anxiety because you've realized that you don't even trust Christ with your life. And you might be a person that says, I wanna give my life to Christ because I'm tired of trying to control it myself. It's gotten me nowhere.